Hey, Pronouncers, welcome back to the Printavo Pronouncers Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. Got Mr. Stephen Farrag out of Campus Inc., out of Champaign. We've got a really cool episode coming up. We've got Mr. Ben Walker out of Image Inc. He's their VP of Ops. A pretty different perspective. We normally get owners on the show, um, but all into pricing and what's good, what's bad, things that they've learned. Pretty excited about it. But we've got some awesome sponsors. Give me literally... 30 seconds, start the time clock so we could just talk about these awesome companies. First up, Graphic Source. Do you need a solution to improve efficiency and reduce costs in your art department? Graphic Source offers industry leading outsource options for your shop to truly become part of your team. They plug and play with Printavo and other shop management software. So when it comes to SEPs, mockups, creative art, order management, embroidery, digitizing, even back office admin and customer service, there's no better company in our industry to work with. With over 30 years in the game, they really understand what shop needs are, and have a proven track record of success. Hit up graphicsource.com for your art staffing and mention the Printavo podcast for 50% off your first vector separation or embroidery order. Thanks, GraphX. I like Graphic Source because <laughs> I love Lucas and mostly Nick and Brent. But more importantly, our artist Genie is awesome. You shouldn't be spending all day cleaning dirty screens. Easy Ways line of environmentally conscious chemicals will get the job done faster and more efficiently and will cost you a fraction of the cost per screen. What's your favorite few buys from Easy Way? Ooh, 842-701. Thanks, Alex and the team at Easy Way. Bruce, have you heard of Multicraft underscore daddy? If you need ink supplies or a daddy, <laughs> multi-craft screen printing and digital supplies for over 50 years provides you with top brands at competitive prices. Mention the Printavo podcast and receive an extra 10% off your first order. Make sure you say that, uh, make sure you mention multi-craft daddy and Printavo. I talked to Dave Eggers and last I checked, he has 380, 79 followers <laughs> on Instagram. I heard that if he crossed 500 followers, he might put out, you know, like a multi-craft daddy, like OnlyFans. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Bruce, <laughs> next sponsor. <laughs> and mention the Pratavo pod. Uh, Supercolor. Supercolor is the world's best heat transfer. Um, made by screen printers for screen printers. They actually have an amazing new facility that we got a special tour from. They're making some really high quality heat transfers. They understand the firsthand pressures and expectations of running and in the screen printing business. The owners actually did run a screen printing business, which is really cool. And they really pride themselves on being super fast, super easy. I know Steven, although you goof around with DTF a lot, you still uh, have your share of super color spin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, they do have a coupon. So use the promo code PRINTAVO15 and get 15% off your order with Supercolor. Um, 
we're using like Supercolor all the time. I know we're messing around with DTF, but I can't tell you how many times I've been in a pickle and Supercolor just comes through for us. Um, they ship out of several different locations across the United States. And when I say they're actually really fast, they are legitimately really, really fast. Um, they've opened up our eyes to transfers and um, they've definitely changed our business. So thank you, Supercolor. Printavo 15, one word. Actually, Chris can just pop it up on the screen or something. All right, cool. Sweet. Let's Get jump into the, the episode. Thanks, gang. Are you guys all at home? Everybody gets to do this at home? Uh, well, you could you could do it at home, too. You could do it wherever you like. <laughs> no, it's like start. wherever people are at. We always just do them remote. You guys don't work. Yeah, basically. Precisely. We do not work. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ben Walker, hey. Image Inc. Ben, you actually commented. I joined this Facebook group called... And was it from Screen Printing Shittiest? Was that the Facebook group? Okay, so that one's been... That's where you can't take people too seriously in it, which I like, you know, because it isn't... Yeah. Uh, it's just the funniest, goofiest prints or whatever, so definitely join it. Um, but somebody was actually getting more serious talking about pricing. Yeah, I think that's like the only place that I've ever found half-decent information, and I think, like, people are kind of pretty quick to weed out the, like, how do you figure out how much shirts cost? people or the like how, how much would you charge for this like that's the like every other group is just riddled with how how do you figure out how much to charge how do i get new customers um and that one's more just the the old angry screen printers that are like and do you identify as an old grumpy screen printer uh maybe <laughs> sometimes no, no most of the time no but there's definitely days sure do you steven <laughs> I'm not the old grumpy one. I'm getting old, oh, but I like suppose. I'm getting grumpy. I think I'm still young. I would say that uh, I think a lot of it has to do just with uh, the people you surround yourself with, really. So, I mean, our, our team, we have a team of 14 people right now. And when we uh, when we break for lunch, almost everybody eats lunch together every day uh, by choice, not because it's mandatory. It's not a cult. I promise. Yeah, that's even really good. That's uh, I wish we because we're fully remote, we don't do that as much now. But um, we try to do like monthly stuff to keep people together. You don't invite everyone to your house for lunch every day. Actually, you know what? Um, Steven's idea was to try to take somebody out to lunch different every day. And so when we did have an office, mm -hmm. I was definitely trying to do that as much as possible every day. But yeah, yeah, Not like every day, but like, like I have to once eat. a week. Oh. Well, I just rotate. It wasn't like the same person because there's a bunch of people. Wait, so Ben, you, you actually commented on this. Well, actually, I, I want to get to this in a second, but Ferrick's right. Tell us just a little bit about Imaging, um, where you guys are at with the shop now. Okay. Um, well, and we'll, some of these things are, I'll hint at a couple of things maybe we'll touch on a little later, but I've been screen printing for about 18 years. I started um, on my own. Um, in a garage setup uh, and transitioned into Image Inc. A few years after that, have been at Image Inc. for about 15 years now. The current owner took over April 1st of 2020. So timing was really cool and efficient. And our first two years under the current owner have, have uh, not been our best financial years, um, just in light of the current climate. What actually that, that enabled us to do was to, under the previous owner, we were about like 70% contract and 30% retail. Uh, we were able to completely flip that upside down and shift to more retail, 
Um, we were able to uh, spend some time, actually a significant amount of time, focusing on the, um, I think what you want to talk about, which was the our actual cost of doing business. What did it cost us to be able to, how much did it cost to print a shirt? How much does it cost from start to finish to print a shirt? And um, we spent, I, I think we're probably still kind of figuring it out, but we spent uh, probably a solid six months of just studying our numbers. And they were, the, of course, the numbers were much more manageable because every event across the country had been canceled. So we just, we were able to chip away at that pretty, uh, pretty easily with, um, I mean, just smaller amounts of orders. So they were manageable. It was manageable information. We were able to take that information and translate that to um, what our actual costs were. So we've spent the last two years under the new owner um, really developing a very uh, manageable approach to profitable screen printing. How'd you make that? Wait, how'd you make that switch from 70-30 to 30-70? Because we've had some folks on the pod that have said that too, but... Like, what was the tactical things that you did? Was it literally just saying no to the contract customers or just referring them off or? Like, is it, is it doing less work, but more of the work you like to do? Or is it a real replacement of revenue? For us, it was, a lot of it actually came from seeing what the numbers looked like and how much we were charging for things and realizing that we couldn't continue to operate in that capacity. Um, I think retail the 30% of retail that we did previously actually supplemented the cost of doing contract. Like we were, uh, we were actually doing contract screen printing at a loss. So not in every instance. can, Can we dive into that? Just because your presses are spinning does not mean you're making money. So you can actually lose money by printing <laughs> really bad. Can you can you dig in? Because this is like, but wait, there's profit in the job. Talk to us about that because there's a lot of wisdom there that I think a lot of people look, they don't realize that like their profitable parts of their businesses are funding their least profitable parts of their business. But like how did you come to that kind of, how did you calculate that? How did you come to that conclusion um, that retail uh, was well, paying for you to keep your presses spinning for a contract? I think there are a lot of monsters in this industry, uh, on especially on the contract side of printing. There's a lot of people out there that have been in the industry for a long time, and they know screen printers are, are typically pretty creative people, uh, and I think they're really smart in a lot of ways, but they're not smart in business ways. And if you, I, I bet if you polled like half of your half of Printavo's customers and said, "Why did you get into screen printing?" Most of them would say they got into it because they wanted to do something creative that they can make money at, right? And so when you dangle this like imaginary money in front of a, a hungry screen printer and say, you know, we'll, we'll pay you this much money, you know, we'll, we'll give you, uh, we were approached by one of the, the larger contract outfits, one of the larger out, outsourcing outfits years ago with a price list and a promise of, you know, what we'll send you, Ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars worth of business a month if you can handle that. Um, but, but by the time you're done, like hang tagging and heat sealing labels and all of their shirts, you've, you've, I mean, you're you're working for like less than minimum wage when you divvy that work out amongst the people on your team, um, and, and they're but they're preying upon these people that that need work, 
they have presses that could do more than they're currently doing. And so they, they send you this, this promise of large amounts of money, but that large amount of money doesn't cover the cost of doing what they're asking you to do. So when we, when we started breaking down what we were doing for some of these printers and what it actually cost us to do it, I mean, we have printers that were sending us jobs that required a, a press check. And sometimes our, our, our 14 color automatic press is tied up for 45 minutes waiting on their artists to figure out how to correct the art that they sent us. That's not profitable. That's not like what we, what could we have done in that 45 minutes uh, that, that wasn't sitting there waiting for them to give us an answer. I mean, I've got people scrubbing under the scrubbing the floor waiting and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so shifting that from, you know, saying, Hey, we're going to charge you for this. Like if, if that's, I mean, we're happy to give you a press check, but it costs money or, you know, we're, we're happy to do this thing for you, but it, it, it costs money now. It wasn't in our price. It wasn't in our price sheet, but we've added it. And so we kind of launched into that with some new pricing structures. And some of the people said, Hey, you know, we can't, we can't pay these prices that you're asking. And then we said, well, we're sorry, but this is how much it costs us to do what we're doing. So we have to do that. And some of them went away because we raised our prices. Some of them went away because we set a minimum that, you know, it's, it's, it's in the groups all the time. You see it, you know, someone says looking for a contract printer in this area to do a job and, three days because so-and-so bailed on me. And then you get a long list of price lists in a Facebook group. And I'm not, I don't want to do that. Like if, if, if someone comes to me and says, I want to be a contract printer, or I want you to be my contract printer, I want to broker jobs to you. I want to look at them and say, well, how many jobs are you going to broker to me? Because I don't really want to learn. I don't want to enter into a new superficial relationship because someone dropped the ball and I'm in the area that needs to solve this problem for you. Like I'm, I'm looking for a long-term relationship where we're going to print a lot of jobs for you and we're going, and we're both going to make money. And if that's not the kind of relationship you want to enter into, then maybe this isn't really a profitable, the, the one and done thing doesn't really work anymore. I mean, we've, we've, we've done enough of that, that we've tried to shift everything into a direction of if you're going to broker jobs to us, you need to meet a minimum quantity and we're you know we're, we're agreeing to work together for an amount of of work not a one-time deal and that that pushed some of them out what of the is way the too. minimum i mean they we, said. We, for us to work with a contract printer you mean mm-hmm. yeah like but are you financial uh like our, our minimum dollar amount or minimum yeah like what were the minimums you that you set yeah, were they like well, one dollar the, <laughs> pieces here's here's one that might make you laugh a little bit but we raised our minimum order quantity to 24 and that that weeded out a handful of them right out the gate um and then we had something came back and said hey sometimes we have 12 piece orders but if we send you a 12 piece order but pay you as if you did 24 would you still do it and we said sure (laughs) you know and now you're making money you're covering your 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 costs i i think it's interesting because people think they can just flip a switch and be a contract printer right like Contract so, printing is a labor is a labor game. It's very much a labor and an efficiency game. Um, right. And we like at Campus Inc. We're not good contract printers. No one calls us to contract print. We're not great at it. Like we right. we force we we were printing for one like running shoe company, 
And over time, they just like got way too close. And then they just were pushing us around being like, oh, I have one more of these. And they were coming in the back of our shop and they were ruining our flow. And so like I basically we jacked up prices, but it was like we don't now you're creeping into our space so much. You're changing our entire workflow around. You're the worst to work with. So like here are our new prices and eventually they left and walked and all of us would look both ways and be like, thank God, you know, we don't have to do with those. Right. Like I think some of the, (laughs) to to that point, but I mean, we, yeah, we've had a lot of people in the back of our, our, our shop that we've had people that walked in and asked for an employee's cell phone number because they wanted to side skirt the process and, you know, expedite an order and, um, you know, Hey, I'll, 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 I'll bring, lunch today if my order's ready when I pick up, you know, think, I mean, and even that is like, I don't know. It's weird. Like lunch is, lunch is awesome. <laughs> like Bruce, if I just bribe the engineers more, like if I sent them I heard care packages, <laughs> I know, there's a yeah. rumor that you do that. Um, they, yeah, uh, I've been bribing them with Dogecoin. Um, <laughs> Doge used to work, but then it plummeted. So wait, so you, you, you raised it to like the 24 spend, but then what, like what else helped shift that? Right. Cause 70, 30 to 30, 70, pretty significant, especially I'm assuming his team, uh, like how many I'm looking at the about page and there's, well, only four listed here, but I'm assuming there's more folks working in the shop too. Yeah, we have 14 employees. We're actually getting ready tomorrow's photo or Friday's. Today was photo shoot today. Uh, now it's Friday to add a few more people to that list. I mean, it's not a huge operation. We had, I think the most employees we've ever had was um, we had 22 at one point when we were uh, a pretty large contract. We, we had 50,000 blank garments in our warehouse that were ready to go for a specific brand. And um, I mean, and that was an absolute nightmare. Just having to keep track of 50,000 shirts that belong to somebody else. Yeah. Um, ben, ben what's had, your role? What's your role on the day to day? Like what part of the business do you manage specifically? I mostly just make coffee and, and, uh, reclaim and bad jokes, dad jokes. <laughs> uh, I'm the, I'm the VP of operations, um, which was a new role for me when the business got bought. Before that, prior to that, I had been the production manager, the sales manager. Um, I think I'm just the guy that's been here the longest at this point. This is interesting. Like VP of operations, that's like a very much middle. So, so you know, someone else owns Image Inc., but right. they're finding, you know, the next person in charge of operations. Right. Does that mean you're on the production floor? Does that mean you're more behind a computer? Like what's your day-to-day look like for someone in your role? There's usually about a line of people four or five deep waiting outside of my office for an answer to something. So it's sometimes, I mean, today I spent, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes out on the production floor working out a problem. Sometimes it's fixing a press. Sometimes it's dealing with the sales reps for the ink company or navigating a problem. We had a bad ink issue where a bunch of shirts got ruined because we had a bad batch of ink and, you know, it's navigating that problem. It's, uh, um, I mean, I think in a smaller company like like this, you typically just, I think it's operations is the fancy way of saying that I, I wear whatever hat needs to get worn at whatever time. Mm-hmm. But, are, but are you making like data driven that you talked about like time studies and are you living in numbers all the time where you're looking at impressions no. and no, 
Okay. That's not my, gotcha. I mean, that's not my strength. I think we, um, I think where I, where I fit into that conversation typically is more on the, I, I can answer the, 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 the real questions about that stuff. Like, you know, is it practical to, you know, when, when MNR comes in and says this press can run 900 impressions an hour, um, you know, what's the real number? What, what, what's the number that, how many impressions are we actually going to run in an hour with, with the team that we have? And, and th- those are the kind of things that I can, that, that I'm, that I'm typically able to solve in those equations is the, what can these things do? What can we do? What, how, what's our print parameters? How, how big of a print can we put on a 16 by 24 inch palette with the presses that we have? I'm, um, how often are we going to print something with a giant image like this? How do we figure out the cost of ink on on a shirt when the imprint's different every time? You know, th- those are the kind of questions that I can answer in that. Dinah, the owner of the business, is more the numbers person. Mm. So she's better at collecting and, and compiling that data and converting it into something that uh, makes sense to anybody. The, and so the new owner put you into this role. It seems like a really smart move, especially, I, I don't know, you know, if she has experience or not, but like, obviously to help protect her time too. Right. Mm-hmm. With like the, the line of questions coming out the door. Um, sure. how does that, how does that interaction go between you and the owner? Is it, is it like reporting up st- more status things or is it very ops based of just solve these problems? I, I mean, I think that, you know, again, I, I I want to reiterate that this is not a cult, but um, but I think we do operate in, in a little bit of a different uh, world than a lot of screen printing shops do. We, we, we really try to function more as like a family. So, uh, so I mean, it's the, the running joke is mom and dad. Um, and so I'm, I'm the, the, the fun dad that, you know, knows how to fix things and make them work and answer questions. And done is the serious mom that keeps track of uh the numbers and the and the things like that and make sure that we're making wise decisions we have lengthy conversations about what that looks like but i think the reporting goes both ways i mean it's you know um, we're kind of co-parenting this this staff and this production um and and this operation and the customers even trying to trying to move this into a situation that is really just Organized and functions well. I mean, we implemented a standard operating procedure as a workflow chart. You guys posted a great workflow chart that, you know, we were able to kind of elaborate on for our purposes, um, you know, figuring out uh, how to build a spreadsheet that when our pricing changes on ink, we can figure out how does that affect what our what our pricing to our customers needs to be without having to um, without having to guess at it. So, mm. you know, and those are just long conversations that we have. And what, what will our customers tolerate? How do we need to do we need to do this gradually? Do we need to do this immediately? Um, so we've had a lot of those conversations. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, or not, no, but, I'm just curious I mean, on that working relationship, right? It makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, especially at your guys' size 14, it, it feels like that's a really great management structure to have is to have that role, you know, and even like diving into pricing and stuff too. So this is kind of where all this came out of. So, you know, you wrote, I'm I'm just going to read this real quick. 
We definitely, okay. so somebody was asking about charging for screen fees and um, maybe Chris, you could pop this up or something so people can read it. But basically it's, yeah, you definitely charge for them, but it's factored into the price. And then you said that mm-hmm. we ran studies for several months to figure out how much our costs were on everything, which you were just mentioning about ink too. Um, and mm-hmm. you built a spreadsheet so that anytime a cost changes, it adjusts the prices accordingly. Um, right. h- how, first of all, that's really cool. Uh, I'm kind of curious the process of like, what happened that triggered you to create that time study? The First, what did that time study even look like? Was it you just with a clipboard, you know, and a stopwatch going around for every step? Because <laughs> like every job is so different and, and right. um, you know, you've got different people doing different things. And so it's hard to get true analytics out of it. Uh, I, th- I think yes and no. I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of other, <clears throat> have a lot of friends in the industry and a lot of other people running shops. We de- we definitely have tried to isolate. Like we have one person that does embroidery. It's really easy to analyze how much that a person embroiders in a day because there's nobody else helping. It's just one person. Um, and obviously there's going to be the, the, the issues that, that interrupt that and mess it up. But we have one person that embroiders this is what one person can do. This is how much they make. You know, this is how much thread we use. It's easy to kind of analyze that. Embroidery is obviously the simpler one. Screen printing is the corn maze of variables that seems like an endless trap. But when we when we started breaking that down, we have, we have one person that burns screens. Mm-hmm. So with that, if it's just one person burning screens and we say, hey, we have, I don't know, we have... We have 200 screens to burn for this week. Do them as fast as you can and report back to me when you're done. I mean, that, you know, and it's, it was more complicated than that. But what, but what happened was we would take, you know, his time, you know, we've um, b- between coding screens, um, you know, just doing the regular easy maintenance on the eye image, um, uh, d- running down problems, deciding whether or not we want to burn an underbase for a job, things like that. Every day for like six months, he wrote down how many screens he burned. And then you start to get this idea of, okay, well, you know, on a great during day, his he shift. Burned. Yeah, during his shift. Okay. And 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 then when you when you look at that, okay, so how much does it cost for Keegan to burn a screen? How much are we paying Keegan to burn one screen? And that's an average number, but you know, you you take that six months of data and you and you uh, and you divide it out to how many screens you burned in six months. Because we had a, at that point we had a we knew how many screens we'd burned in six months, and how many hours he'd worked, and how much we'd paid him. Then you divide that out, and you know how much it cost for your screen guy to burn that screen. How much emulsion we used? How much emulsion? How much does it cost? to put emulsion on the screen. Well, we, mm-hmm. we had six months worth of data of how many screens we burned, how much emulsion we bought. And I mean, it's not an exact number, but it's it's pretty close. It gives you a pretty good idea. And it's always okay to round up. Just don't round down. <laughs> if you round up a little bit, you're good. Right? So what it, what it sounds like is you took, okay, if you take six months and figure out how many screens were burned in six months, and mm-hmm. you look at how much you spent on emulsion in six months, yeah. You know, and you look at, I don't know, how much tape you bought in six months. Mm-hmm. Um, are you also taking like reclaim into account and saying like how much, yeah. 
you know, seven or, you know, whatever easy way you order. 701. Yeah. Um, and then you basically are normalizing that for six months and saying like, here is the amount of people labor I spent and mm -hmm. consumables divide that mm -hmm. by how many screens. And now we just have a number. Right. You know, yeah, we did so the then, same thing with, with ink. We did the same thing with production. So we have production logs We're, and we still use them mm -hmm. every day. Now Printavo has made it a little bit easier for us to navigate that with some time stamping of, you know, when jobs get completed. I think actually there was a blog that you did, Stephen, a while ago where you talked about how you were really looking, you wanted to know every step and every job that was happening and when it was happening and, and pushing everyone on your team. I think that was you, right? That to, 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 to change that. You set up a zap that did it for a little bit. We, we used to mm -hmm. have some zap stuff that would show like the time differences of like art approvals and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, like, and, and this can go down to like the whole conversation of, you know, how many impressions actually come out of a shop every day versus what the presses say they can run. Right. Like how much downtime is there actually? Right. Um, but I think what you talk about here is like having manual production logs, like, Capturing data mm -hmm. for six months is a very manual process. There's yeah. nothing automated, like there's no magic ball you could just say like, hey, measure everything in my shop. Mm -hmm. How do you get your whole team to adopt that whole measurement thing? Because I, I, I think there's so much knowledge when you have data, and but people yeah. are like, how do I get the data, you know? You write it down. I mean, that, that, that was what it was. We, we, we took literally, I mean, we, we've, we have hundreds of these sheets of paper. We printed them out and, and put them at the press. And, and when you start and finish your job and, and what that actually gave us was it didn't get, just give us like the, the print times that it took to complete a job, because that's actually not great information when you, when you don't take into account how long did it take you to set up that job? Right. And because that's, that's a huge factor in that. But what it what it did it, it actually it did a lot of things. Um, it gave us it, it gave us a better idea of what our cost was, but it also gave us um, a better idea of how much our team was improving. Because mm. once they start looking at their times, and then you know we had a um, I'll never forget. I, and I was back in the warehouse one day, and and um, to your earlier question, I do I spend a lot of time in the warehouse and with customers. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm on both sides of that a, a good bit, but. But I was in the warehouse one day and one of the girls is like jumping up and down and and everyone's clapping and and, you know, I run over there and I'm, you know, I want to be excited, too. I have serious FOMO when it comes to people being happy. I want to be happy, too. And so I run over there and everyone's celebrating and and um, and she try locked like a non color job and had, you know, try locked ink in the screens. Test print was good in like in. It's not non-color job in like seven minutes, including putting the ink and screens and flood bars and squeegees on the press. And, you know, and everyone celebrated because, you know, two weeks ago that might have taken 45 minutes to set up because we had a problematic screen. But uh, but when you start to find like collecting that data shows you where your weaknesses are, too. Mm -hmm. So that was one of our weaknesses was our setup time. And that could be for a lot of reasons. It was, you know, and we've tried to tackle those things like maybe some confusion on print order. Well, could we try to send the jobs out to the press with a print order then? What color should we print these in? Um, 
you know, another one of the problems was where are our inks? I know we have this color, but where is it? So now our whole, our whole ink wall is, is organized by color and Pantone number. And we have a spreadsheet of where those are too. So there's like a backup plan. There's a map for that. Uh, there's, um, we have, some, when we mix a Pantone number, we don't necessarily add it to our live ink, but we have a spot where we can go, hey, I'm, you know, there's a spreadsheet for that too. Hey, have we mixed this color recently? Do we have this color available? Is this something mm -hmm. that we can do? So and so with all of, all of those things, how do you, like, I have this problem at Campus Inc. is employee adoption. Like mm -hmm. I can, I can design, you know, the coolest spreadsheet or the coolest like tables to fill out, but like, I'll have them do it for a day and then I'll be like, where is it? And they'll be like, Oh, and you're just like, <laughs> this is literally happening to us in production right now. Like we paid yeah. Ryan Kasperian a shit ton of money to come help us. He's been working on us, integrating a bunch of stuff and you can tell it dies out. Right. And I'm like, guys, where is the sheets that we went through? Like we went through this again. Where are they? And they'll, mm -hmm. their faces. And this is partially because I'm in a million places at once. But like, how do you get employees to adopt those kind of things, whether it's procedure following or, you know, time tracking? Because like I personally have that problem <laughs> um, um, and it doesn't I, sound like it's a problem for you guys. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't think that it's because we're great at anything. I think it's because we have a really good team. We have really, mm -hmm. really good people. Um, and, you know, it's back to that, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it again. We're not a cult, but we mm -hmm. do have a team of people that really loves each other. Um, like literally loves each other, not just likes each other and tolerates each other. But we've we've really worked hard to focus on a team. I mean, we, we, we had some divisive employees that we parted ways with and, and, and we've tried to build up a team of people that likes to be around each other do, and likes do to you support like each also other. Like reinforce it though too. Cause it sounds like, like obviously there's no Ben Walker at campus Inc type, but you know, do you have morning meetings or, you know, things where it's like reviewing this data sure. so people are all on the same page with it? Yeah. I think we've done, I mean, we've done a little bit of all of that. Sometimes it might be a, um, you know, it might be a morning meeting, pep rally, whatever, like show up with some biscuits and say, hey, guys, we're moving into this new situation. We're going to do this new thing and it's going to be amazing. And at the end of it, it's going to help us. Um, and then it's so at the end of every day, our, uh, at the end, literally every day, our our uh, our two production leads go straight to when they're done with production, they walk in with their their print sheets, their time logs their This is what we did today. This is how. This is how long everything took. This is what we did wrong. This is what we did right. This is what we struggled with. Uh, this is the ink we're about to run out of. Like whatever those things are, they they walk straight into the owner's office and yeah. uh, and and talk about a game plan for tomorrow. So I mean, every day ends with you know what went well, what didn't go well. What's our plan for greatness for tomorrow? And that's where the reiteration comes in of, hey, we, you know, we talked about this ink. We talked about, you know, we talked about uh, that sheet that we were supposed to fill out. Our goal was to do maintenance on the machines at the end of the day. Did that happen? Why didn't that happen? 
no one's leaving tomorrow until it's done. Um, you know, not in like a taskmaster way, but, it, you know, we try to, if we're, the idea is that we would work, always be working ahead well enough that we can say, okay, we lost our time for maintenance today because we had an issue. We need to make time for maintenance tomorrow. So instead of pulling this job forward, let's leave it where it is, block out an hour for putting oil in the machines and cleaning up around our work areas. Uh, hmm. So that, I mean, that's that's where it's happening. To answer your question, it's a, it. you know, it, it, yeah, it's literally every day. And what about, uh, so you talk about timing. What about the timing of quoting art approvals? That, that one seems kind of hard. Or is that more yeah. status-based stuff? Uh, no, it's not. It's not. That's one that, I mean, that's one that we're just never going to have control over. Um, uh-huh. I, I think that that's, I mean, now we can, we can work on minimizing that as best as possible. And I think that that's where knowing, um, like knowing your costs, knowing your, your, your limits, building those standard operating procedures that happens up front too. It happens on a sales level. Um, you know, with our, our, our sales staff, our, our, our front of house team, um, Ideally, we would uh, we would help them to know when to pull the plug and just to say, hey, I think that you have some really good ideas. Why don't you narrow down what you want and come back to me and let me know to try to minimize the amount of time spent on that quoting? Because we have the tools that we need. If you tell me exactly what you want, I should be able to give you that quote back mm-hmm. within minutes. But, All the so, information is there. So how does your calculator work though, right? So you reference this pricing like generator that takes in all these variables mm-hmm. to help you make sure that you're profitable. Right. Is it like different line items of, uh, you know, quoting time estimate, art time estimate, approvals time, or, you know, ink costs, screen time, all that stuff. Right. What does it look like? Uh, I think most of the front of house stuff stays out of there because it's, it's really about the cost of, it's, it's, it's the cost of production. Uh-huh. So the quoting, the art, the, um, the, the really the customer service side of that stuff. I don't think that you can pin down how much it costs to send someone a mock-up because half your customers are going, it's, it's great to work towards no revisions, but you're always going to have a customer that has a revision. I, I think you're what all- you're saying, like if you look at, and this was an exercise we were doing with our profit and loss statement. Okay. If you look at your cost of goods sold, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's the actual material cost. There's like your consumables. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's actual production labor. I think, Ben, what you're saying is like you can you can kind of track production labor in the sense that I have this many screen printers. This is how much we're spending on that. But your admin expense or the labor that's like sales or, you know, mm-hmm. secretarial or like customer service, that's below your cost of goods sold. Um, and that's in your mm-hmm. GA, like your admin, right? So right. I think to your point, Bruce, like you can only track. You can only track what is actually trackable. But yeah. it's interesting, right? Because there is such a big cost in that time of a lot of the back and forth. There is. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's fair if it's, if it's so gray. But- but but a way that a shop could okay so like let's talk about pricing myths like what are do you think Ben some ways that people in the industry think they can price and they're sorely like potentially mistaken I think that I think that screen printers in um I was I think I mentioned that the I watched the um one of the Mark uh, is it Kudre mm-hmm. is that how you pronounce it I watched yeah. one of those videos with him 
And, um, and it, that was actually really, that one get, really got my mind stirring a lot because he talked about how, um, how your 12 piece price tier, for instance, is, and that's, that's usually the, the, the guilty party is your 12 piece price tier when it's so high that when a customer orders 22 shirts, it actually is cheaper. It costs them less money. Like, let's just say that, that, you know, that, that 22 shirts is going to cost them $400. But then when, once they jump to 24, that price drops down to like $350. Um, that was what he was talking about that yeah, our price tier, breaks, you know, yeah, how, the tiers, yeah. where, where price breaks are killing you. I, I think it's actually, um, I think that the, the, the great disservice that, that the majority of the screen printers I've been around in the industry have done is, is where they take, where, where they don't look at what their cost is and base their price tiers on their, their cost. So if you know how much it costs you to produce this, you always have to make more than it costs. So it's it's okay if you get to that 22 piece price tier and convince your customer to order 24 and the price goes down a little bit because you're still making the margin you needed to make because you've figured out what your pricing is and how to profit by selling a 24 piece order. But you bring up a good point that, though. Like, is that a smart idea? I mean, it seems like why give it to them less if they're willing to pay? Or are you saying that you got them the 24 because we can like sell you on a lower price per shirt, right? Because Mark's point was that it's silly to be able to do that, right? Why why do more work, print a couple more shirts for, for less per piece and making just slightly less on the total? But you have a really great mm -hmm. point though, right? Of like, um, just focus on profitability and it doesn't necessarily matter. Well, that's always going to be there, right? Like when you go to a restaurant and they have a special on something, like why would they tell you what that special is if they could sell you something that you probably wanted equally as much for more money? Why would they tell you that there's a special where you can buy? I mean, I had Slotsky's Deli for lunch and I got a buy one, get one free pizza. I ate an entire pizza myself and someone else ate the other entire pizza by themselves. But they could have not told me about that and I could have just had to split that pizza with somebody else. There's a reason they did that. There's some something, you know. Right, so what is what would be my reason to do that? What would be your reason to sell a customer 24 shirts instead of 22 and give them a better price point overall? My, my reason to do that would be customer retention and loyalty. I don't need to make I don't need to make an extra $50 on a person one time. I need to make $50 every other week on that person for the duration of their t-shirt ordering uh, process. So, so what you're like. thinking of Ben is like the lifetime value of a customer versus like the one-time experience, right? Like if they're bargain shopping, customers yeah technically speaking 23 shirts will make you more than selling 24 but if you're trying to incentivize long-term loyalty i guess the question is is there a better way to price with quantity discounts so you don't feel like you're hurting yourself by offering like do you feel like some people give away too much when they give quantity breaks i think a lot of people do but i think those people have no idea what it costs to make a shirt right and I think if your price if your pricing is based on what it what it costs, then those tiers are, you know, are 
based on what it actually costs. So when we factored all that in, the 12, like there's a bottom line that we need to make for, that's where the screen cost comes into play, right? Like that's my bottom line. I have to cover the cost of making those screens and the ink that I'm going to use on that project. If I've it's already almost, covered that. Yeah, ahead, it's, 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 it's almost like there is a threshold where at some point profitability is made on the screens and some point profitability isn't doesn't matter as much on the screens because the volume is so high, right? So when you order a ton from a contract printer, they might say there's no screen fees because your volume's so much greater that those screen fees are nominal. It's almost like if your screen fees are fees are such a large percentage of your your of your like your total sale, you could be crippling yourself. Um, I think that's where we say like we're not screen printers, we're screen makers. <laughs> right. Um, but but I wonder what that threshold is where, you know, for every shirt you add, technically your screen fee goes down, but your screen fees are generally still fixed because like whether you're printing a hundred shirts or six shirts, six screens are six screens, you know. So yeah. well, and here's an interesting thing to that to 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 in, in contrary and it. Before I, I don't I, I think Mark's thought was actually really great, but I just had to rationalize it. I had to come to terms with where we were in that, and so I mean it was an, it was a great point. But on the flip side of that, let's talk about what it looks like for a customer that has met that thirty six piece price point, right? Mm-hmm. But then they order thirty eight shirts, and let's just say that our screen our, our screen charge has now been averaged into the cost of these shirts at 36 it, let's just say that at 36 we determined that i don't know let's just say our screen cost is 15 up do you guys still have calculators i have an actual calculator in that's my awesome head. is that the ti89 <laughs> is that the casio uh, it's the tx20 uh 220ts <laughs> this has been out on my you desk play since on that? i've worked here you, you can't but you can words yeah i think so you spell funny is, words and put it upside down. Hello. Yeah. Go on. What were you saying? This is good. This is good stuff. If your screen, if your let's just say our screen charge on this order is, let's say there's two screens on this, and we're going to charge twenty five dollars per screen for that, right? Mm-hmm. Like that seems to be a normal price that people charge for screens. So we've got fifty dollars worth of of screens on here, and then we're going to divide that into those thirty six shirts, right? Um, so that means that. For every shirt that we sold, we are charging $1.39 for the screen, for the screen service exclusively, right? So $1.39, well, what happens if that customer orders 40 shirts instead of 36? Well, now we have four shirts where we get that dollar and that's a 39, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then we, we have four more shirts that we're charging that dollar and 39 cents on. And so we actually, it's, it's, it's a tiny amount of money, but we just got like five and a half dollars that didn't, uh, that, that didn't need to be got to cover those screen charges. When you separate out the screen charges, then they're fixed. But now that customer ordered four extra shirts and, you know, and it's a small amount of money, but it adds, it adds up. So there is the argument to that on that side of it. If you're, if you're, all inclusive, and you and you fix that stuff into your pricing. The the time that was spent on all of that was spent, and those four extra shirts are just a couple of extra dollars. It's one more biscuit when you have your morning meeting, or two more biscuits uh, when you're having that morning meeting and trying to ramp up your production team's excitement about what your the, the forms you're going to make them fill out and process. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think that there's a there's a few things like that where there's a give and take on both sides. Um, another great disservice that other printers have done in this industry is is allowing customers to bring their goods in the front door and 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 to think that I mean, they a lot of customers have, will walk into our front door and say, "Okay, well." you've got a markup on the garment. So if I bring you my garments, then I can just pay your printing cost, right? Well, no, that, that, that markup on the garment, that that's where the time that I've spent selling you, that's where that stuff starts to get paid for is in your markup on the garment, right? Hmm. What's your thoughts on driving up the print cost then to cover no matter who where the garment comes we do. from? We do, we do. Um, I'm gonna close my blinds because the sun's in my eyeball. But, um, the, yeah, we do. We, we drive up that print cost and we charge oh, okay. based if on... If somebody wants to do it, that. It's, it, I like the rationale there that we mark up our garments because there's time it takes to find you those garments, to order them, to check them in. And that's part of the service that we provide. We are garment sellers and garment printers. That's half our Did business. Did you spend time looking for garments in the last year? Have you? <laughs> <laughs> nah. We're trying to... Tell someone that what they wanted is out of stock now and you've got to go find a replacement for it. I mean, it's, I'll just yeah, order it, was, it. I'll just go buy it and bring it to you guys. Yeah, no problem. No. Bruce does that with me. He'll just ship shirts from... <laughs> from Michael's? <laughs> from we get a lot of Costco. And this is, uh, we get a lot of Costco bags. But no, really, I mean, for the most part, our, we, we've, we've basically just said, no, you can't bring us goods. Oh, okay, so you don't have like a matrix that's separate for for folks. We do. Oh, you do. But we do have one because because there's the rare instance when it makes more sense for a customer to bring us their goods. But it, mm-hmm. but there is a there's a margin factored into that, and it's it's assumed on um, what our margin is on an average price shirt. So actually, if someone goes and buys a bunch of all style thirteen oh ones and brings them to me, then they're going to actually pay more money than they would have if I bought them because it's like one of the cheapest, worst shirts available on the market. But our margins built on if someone maybe was to buy a bunch of next level 6210s and bring them to us. Mm-hmm. So is, is your pricing pretty simple, meaning like anyone in the company, like if I were to call, you know, Imaging and ask four different salespeople to price out an order, would they all price it the same way? I think that's the corporate espionage. If you no, I mean, that, like, right. is everyone trained well enough <laughs> that, like, they would all yeah. give you the same price? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's four people that would quote a job, and all four of them would give you the same price. Unless you came to me and, I mean, there we, we have some people that, are, that can handle pricing it out differently. Um, gotcha. You know, so if you came to me and you said... Uh, well, let me backtrack a little bit. If if you came to me and said, I need 50 to 100 shirts, you would get the same price pretty much across the board. But if you came to me and said you needed 3,500 shirts, then that might get pushed over to someone that's going to work a little bit differently on that pricing because um, it might be based on what the current sale price is at Alpha Broder or, you know. Gotcha. Or- so do you guys price on like on complexity of the job like is there a complexity factor like you know if it's going to if if you feel like the art is going to be really complicated like is there a fudge Give me an factor of that like what's what's an what's a complicated one um a four color spot versus a four you know a sim process that's going to take four colors okay. right like 
it's going to be slightly more technical, right? Absolutely. If you're a contract customer, then yeah. I mean, if, you know, because the margins are smaller there. Mm-hmm. Um, but where the SIM, so uh, if you ordered, we don't do our SIM process separations in house. We send them out um, because we have someone that just doesn't make mistakes on that. I mean, it's right. They, and, it, and it's and it's actually cheaper for us to pay him to make these separations than it is for us to make the separations and have to correct. I mean, we want the quality of his separations over what we can do internally. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so the, the complexity of that, to, to answer your question, the 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 there's a margin in that too. So right. if you bring me a SIM process job, I'm going to charge you a SIM process setup. And the margins there in the art. It's not on the press because it takes the same amount of effort to print a SIM process job on press as it does to print a spot color job. Sometimes it's actually easier. Huh. And you're using a lot less ink. But but as far as like this customer is a harder customer to deal with, right? Like, or this is a repeat customer. Do you guys price based on loyalty? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, and that's where it comes into uh, the relationships and where like, maybe I've, I don't know how many times, um, I mean, we have notes and customer profiles for that. We have notes sure. and customer profiles for that that say, you know, and we have, we have a couple of customers that have their very own pricing matrix that we use um, because we, they, they said, Hey, we will reward you with volume. We have some retail customers um, that we are borderline giving wholesale pricing to because of the size and the frequency of those orders. Um, so yeah, I mean, rewarded with loyalty. Uh, we have some customers that have been ordering with us since before I was here. Uh, the business was started in 2000. So there's people that were, have been, ordering shirts with us since 2000. Um, Have you been able to do time studies on those two and determine that they are profitable still? Well, so when we did our time studies, then uh, what what, what that also gave us access to was was how low we can go. Uh Hmm. Because now... With a big margin, I'm assuming. Like you said, okay, in this calculator, it has to be also... uh, 20% 20% or whatever on top. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, you know, if we, if we know what our margin is, then if, I mean, I don't know, let's just say our margin is, is, is 20%. Hopefully it's higher than that. But if our margin is 20%, well, if we have a good loyal customer and, and sometimes jobs come over and they're so easy that you don't need to like, like, you know, that the way that you've calculated this is based on, uh, an average of jobs that's more complicated than this, like you might have 10% wiggle room, you might have 20% wiggle room on that stuff. But I mean, I, I think those typically those kind of discounts would be something more that I would have to process or that the owner would have to, to process. But I mean, we, there, th- yeah, there's, yeah, to answer your question, yes, we, 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 uh, we know what our wiggle room is within, within reason. I, th- I think the conversation and what I'm hearing is like you have a very sound price theory. Like you have a very yeah. like <laughs> your price pricing theory is very sound and you're very comfortable with it. And yeah. when you have that comfort, you can make calculated decisions, right? What advice yeah. would you give shop owners that are shooting from the hip when they price like ah, seven bucks, right? Like if you're a shop that 
prices from the hip. Ben is telling you. I mean, that's kind of the whole the, the whole conversation started there, right? Like it was people are asking, should they or shouldn't they charge screen fees or, you know, that's my, it's my favorite. My favorite Facebook post in any of the screen printing groups is how much do you charge for four colors on a hoodie? But I need a lot more details than that. But but my my advice would be to, to especially if these and it, I actually thought about this a lot ahead of time and I wanted to to say this, if you're, if you're in a situation, especially like a garage printer, if you have, I mean, that, you have minimal variables to calculate. Yeah. Take some time to study those variables and figure out what your, what your cost of business is. It's, it's like a new year's resolution. If you, if, I mean, if, if, if you wait until you have a, you know, a, a large screen printing shop with three automatic presses and embroidery machines and employee overhead. If you wait until then and you say, yeah, I think tomorrow I'm going to start uh, keeping track of everything. I'm going to figure out what my cost of business is. Th- those practices, if you can implement those practices early on of, I mean, it's, it's really simple to figure out what your cost of business is when you're a one man operation printing out of your garage. It's, you know, what percentage of your mortgage? Like, it's, it's just simple math. Like, you live in a you live in a 3,000 square foot house and you have a 500 square foot garage. That's a pretty easy math to figure out which per- percentage of that would be your mortgage. And look at your electric bill since you've added that little conveyor dryer in your garage. And look at your water bill since you've started spraying out screens in your bathtub. And, you know, <laughs> whatever that is, like, look at... I mean, look at your look at how much you spent buying like, you know, beer for your neighbors because you're out there with your shirt off and you're making them angry, sweating in your garage all day. Like that. I mean, all those factors are pretty easy to calculate and figure out, implement those practices early on. And you can figure out long term, big picture. And this is something I mean, this is new stuff to me, too. But figuring out big picture, what your cost is, then you don't have to shoot from the hip. You can look at a job and say, this is going to cost me this much to produce. It's going to take me this long to print it. It's going to, it's going to use this much ink, give or take a little bit. Um, it's going to take this much screens, et cetera. And once you figure that stuff out, then you can price things. You can give someone an educated price because nothing feels worse than finishing a job and getting a check that you're sad about because you bit off more than you can chew. As a uh, totally. former freelancer, yeah, absolutely. Or underpricing and, know, and knowing you did it too. That's why Bruce loves the uh, $50 a month plans, the legacy ones, the ones that complain. <laughs> no, uh, we're not going to go there. <laughs> that, that was yeah. me. That was me like a couple of, <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Like, is there like a legacy or upgrade plan? Um, but uh, no, that's, yep, 100%. I mean, and... I mean, even, you know what, that's a great example because when we, when we adopted the upgrade to Printavo, cause I mean, you guys, you guys offered for us to stay where we were at, a, um, you know, without the new features, uh, when we, when we adopted that, we said, when we looked at it and said, how much is, how much time and money is this going to save? And, you know, I mean, it's easier to swallow when you have 14 employees and you can look at that thing and go, okay, power schedulers are going to cut out a couple hours a day of somebody's work. Let's let's just do it. Let's just do it. A couple hours a day, five days a week, four weeks out of the month. It's cheaper to 
pay for power scheduler than it is to, you know, have somebody sitting up here trying to rearrange jobs on a calendar. There's your free ad, Bruce. You're welcome. Yeah, right. Not That's knowing. Sweet. Thanks, man. Not knowing whether or not the not knowing yeah. whether or not the goods are here. Not knowing whether or not the screens have been burned. Um, I mean, we, we deleted like. Well, we haven't yet, but we will be deleting like half of our statuses. <laughs> Same. It's on yeah. my to-do list. It is a, I, need yeah. to, I need to add a task for me. Yeah, it's, it's somewhere in my one of my to-do list on my desk in here somewhere. It's probably cool. Under the this is awesome. This yeah, is thanks, awesome. Brian. I appreciate sharing as much as you can about pricing. I, you know, um, sure, it's definitely a bit taboo, but you know. Uh, you're right. As you are smaller, it's probably the easiest time to be able to do something like that and at least say this is the cost per day to, to operate mm-hmm. this business and then to dig sure. your way out of there um, and, and shoot right. for double or whatever per week to make it easier. But you're right. It does nothing but get harder as the different types of customers and equipment. And if you can factor in that, if you can factor in those numbers on the front end, then as they change, it really, I mean, it, it really is as simple as going, okay, on this many on this many screens, we used this much ink. So we're we're working with averages. I mean, sometimes it's gonna be more, sometimes it's gonna be less. But I I feel like we need a like we need shop like there should be like shop finance training like sh- like this needs to just be like a course that everyone takes. I would go to that. Uh, I would we go all to that. need it. Every day. Um, <laughs> print hustlers 20. Yep, maybe maybe it is Bruce. Put us put us through class. We need it. I got it. I like it. Yeah. But uh, cool. the other thing I would I would say quickly, and I know you guys probably want to wrap up. We've gone over. So that it's like New Year's New Year's resolutions, right? Like if, if I if I told you I'm going to tomorrow, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to quit smoking and I'll smoke. But um, it's just an example. We're going to I'm going to stop eating meat. I'm going to exercise every day. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to say one nice thing to one person every day, every day. I'm going to do these five things, right? Like that's impossible because I've not been doing any of those things for, it's more expensive to eat vegetarian. It's, it's, it takes, it takes time out of my day to be nice to somebody. And it's hard when I'm angry and, um, you know, it's the quitting smoking, quitting drinking. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the worst person because I've set up all these impossible goals for myself that's that's why it's so important on the early side of these to adopt these things because you don't have the margin in life to figure that stuff out, right? Like we don't have the margin in life to just wait until it's it's waiting till it's too late to try to make these changes. And so it really is like that. Like my encouragement would be to those guys that are especially early on is to figure out what your cost is because you're you. never going to do it if you don't do it now. <laughs> One hundred percent. You're right. The word of Ben Walker. <laughs> this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Thank you, Ben. If, I if, appreciate it. If there's other shops that uh, have pricing theory or like put in the comments and stuff, because this is cool. This is a conversation like we, we need to just keep having. So thank you for this. This is awesome. Ben Walker, yeah, South Carolina Imaging, signing off. Thank you guys for listening to Printable Printables Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode.